Lord God, while we are on this road trip that we call life, help each one of us to see ourselves as missionaries wherever and whenever we go. For your sake, in Jesus' name, amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you been on a road trip this summer? Maybe you're yet to go on a road trip, a vacation of some kind. You know, no doubt that uh, when you're on a road trip, at some point you come across an intersection or two. Yeah, and we all know you don't have to even go on a road trip of any distance to have an at intersection experience. Uh, you drive every day. You run into intersections. When you leave church today, you're going to come across some intersections. But maybe on your extended road trip, you may come across some of the more famous intersections. For example, there's the intersection of Hollywood and Vine in Los Angeles, uh, which uh, some would say uh, came, became famous during what is arguably the heyday of Hollywood filmmaking. Or there's Broadway and 42nd Street in Manhattan, New York, also known as the Times Square area. The next intersection to, to be shown is one that became famous in the late 1960s, Haight and Ashbury in San Francisco. Now, those of you from Chicago will recognize the next intersection as part of Chicago's magnificent mile on the near north side, of course, centering on Michigan Avenue particularly. And then there's always Kinsley Avenue and 2nd Street. Kinsley Avenue and 2nd Street. Now, that may be a little less familiar to you, but that's where you might be Standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Oh, such a fine sight to see, huh? Yeah. Well, this morning, I want to talk about another type of intersection. I call it the intersection of Mission Road and Humanity Avenue. The intersection of Mission Road and Humanity Avenue. This is the intersection where our Christian mission intersects with and addresses the real needs of people. You know, here at Shepherd of the Desert, our mission is leading people to follow Jesus. That is our mission statement, leading people to follow Jesus. It's what we are about as a church and school ministry. The key question is, how does our mission intersect with the real needs of humanity, first right here in Scottsdale, and then beyond here to the world. As we heard in today's gospel reading from Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave his church some final instructions before he returned to heaven. We refer to his instructions to the church as the Great Commission, the Great Commission to the church, where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. Now, actually, a more literal translation of the original Greek text would read like this. Therefore, as you are going, or you could even translate it, 
wherever you may be going, therefore, wherever you may be going, make disciples. In other words, the the exclamation point is on the word on the phrase make disciples and later on baptize and teach. But the the idea of going is an ongoing thing. Wherever you go, whenever you're going anywhere, be making disciples. In other words, we need to think of ourselves as Christians, every one of us as a missionary no matter where we are, no matter where we're going. You don't have to go overseas to be a missionary for Jesus, although some are called to that. My daughter is sensing a calling of God to become a missionary in a foreign country. But not everyone has to do that. But every one of us on this road trip that we call life has been given a great commission from Jesus. As you are going, wherever you go, be making disciples for Jesus. Now, one person who took the Great Commission very seriously was the man that we heard about last week, a Jewish man named Saul, who, after becoming a follower of Jesus, decided to use his Greek name, Paul, thinking that using his Greek name would be more effective as he reached out to Greek, non-Jewish people in these foreign countries he was going to go to. And Paul was particularly called by God to go on uh, several missionary journeys. Um, They were, you might say, specified road trips for Jesus. Now, his road trips sometimes included sea travel as well as land travel. But he was called to go on these missionary journeys. And his second missionary journey, as described for us in the book of Acts, included a stop in the city of Athens, Greece. We heard about this in our epistle lesson for today from Acts 17. Paul is there in the city of Athens. And as he's walking through the city of Athens, he sees that there are numerous idols all over the city dedicated to the worship of various mythological Greek gods and goddesses. And so he first goes to the Jewish synagogue to talk to the people there, not only Jewish worshipers, but also some Greek people who were interested in learning about the God of Israel. From the synagogue, then he went out into the streets, to the marketplaces in Athens, and talked to the general population about their religious thoughts. Luke tells us in Acts that Paul was out in the streets preaching about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. And some philosophers, specifically some Epicurean and some Stoic philosophers, began to dispute with Paul over some of the things that he was preaching and teaching. And they brought Paul to a meeting of the Areopagus. The Areopagus was a gathering of philosophers and thinkers and Athenian people who were interested in hearing about and learning more about the latest philosophical thought. And they would meet in Athens, and many think that they met on the hill that is named Areopagus, which is translated Mars Hill. 
Now, this is what Mars Hill looks like today from uh, a, a picture taken from above, taken from the Acropolis to the southeast. And if you were standing on Mars Hill and you look back to the southeast, this is what you would see. The Acropolis with the various ancient structures of the Parthenon and, and other buildings there. Now, by the way, the main Parthenon structure is out of view from this angle. But Paul would have seen all of these buildings standing there on Mars Hill. By the way, this photo was taken by my daughter two years ago when she was in Athens with her Around the World semester group. But can you just imagine Paul standing there? Those buildings are there because they were there long before Paul was even born. And he's addressing the people of the Areopagus. You might say Paul was standing at the intersection of Mission Road and Humanity Avenue. And it was an opportunity to address them. Now, Paul was very, very clear about his mission. His mission was to share the good news of Jesus the Savior with all who would listen. But Paul also was very intentional about paying attention to the needs of the people of Athens. Now, as we look at Paul working in Athens, we ask the question, what was his strategy for reaching those people? This is a unique group of people. How was he going to reach them effectively with the good news? As we study this text, some, some key principles come out in, as we observe what Paul does. And I've kind of summarized those in a three-letter word, and the word is ACT, A-C-T. I'm going to use that as an acronym. Three simple points of Paul's strategy that I think we can learn from as we attempt to reach out to the people of our own community. And the A of the word ACT stands for the word ALERT. Paul was alert to the opportunities right in front of him in the city of Athens. And likewise, too, friends, if we want to be effective in reaching the community of Scottsdale and beyond, we first need to be alert to the opportunities, to see the opportunities that God presents to us to reach out to others. Acts 17, verse 16 says, while Paul was waiting specifically for Silas and Timothy to show up in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Paul paid attention. He was alert to the needs of the people. And he took note that the people's greatest need was the need to know the true God. He noticed all these various pagan idols throughout the city. And the presence of those idols gave Paul an entry point to reach out to the people of Athens. Likewise, too, friends, you and I need to think about this. We need to be alert to the opportunities around us. We need to recognize people's needs right around us and be ready to respond. Another way to say it, friends, is we need to spend time on Humanity Avenue getting to know people, what their real needs are, so we can respond with God's love. So what are the needs of the people with whom you interact every day? What are the needs of the people at work with you? 
at school, in your neighborhood, in your own family, in your among your extended relatives? What are the needs of the people that you interact with regularly? And then what are the needs of this entire community where our church sits? I think this is going to be an important question for us to address as a congregation going forward in our ministry together. To get to know the needs of the people who live right around us and respond to those needs in an effective way. So the first thing we need to do is to be alert. Be alert to the opportunities. Secondly, as you are going on your road trip of life, look for a connecting point. That's the C of the word act, a connecting point. Look for a connecting point. Now, notice how Paul did this in Athens. I'm going to continue reading from Acts 17. It says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. And he goes on from that connecting point to tell the story of Jesus. Paul's connecting point, you see, was that altar with the inscription, to an unknown God. It was something they were familiar with, very common to everyone. They had this designated altar. Paul picks up on that and uses that as the connecting point to bring a message about the true God. Likewise, too, as we're going through our road trip of life, interacting with people, staying alert to the opportunities, we need to look for connecting points with people. Now, connecting points can take all different forms. For example, one connecting point might be somebody's illness. Maybe you know someone who's dealing with an illness. There's a connecting point because, see, you can go to that person and say, I am praying for you that God will put his hand of healing upon you. You are in my prayers. Even that simple witness is a powerful way of connecting with that person in their, their real need that could lead to a further opportunity to talk about God and His love. Or maybe the connecting point is the fact that someone you know lost a loved one in death and they're grieving their loss. And you can be there as their friend, come alongside them. You don't have to say a whole lot, but maybe it's just, I'm so sorry for your loss. You're in my prayers. May God give you peace. Or maybe it's someone you know who just had a baby. Maybe it's their very first baby. And you know, when a young couple has a baby, they're all busy with the baby and, and some other things kind of go undone, like nobody really wants to cook meals during those first few days of bringing the baby home. And maybe you could cook a meal and bring it to that young couple. It's just a way of extending love to someone with a very real need. And all of this can help prepare the way then for further conversations about the God who truly loves them in Christ. But you see, first we need to build rapport with people. We need to focus on the relationship we have with people. 
and establish that relationship of kindness and care and concern. I still think there's a lot of truth to that old adage that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's reaching out with love first that can open the door for further conversation. So we need to act. We need to be alert to the opportunities. We need to look for a connecting point. And then the T of the word act is to tell. Tell the story of God's love in Christ Jesus. Look for an opportunity to tell the story. Paul was a master at this. And he was a master at tailoring the story of Jesus to the audience that he was addressing. He didn't always tell the story the same way based on who his audience was. For example, if he was addressing a Jewish audience at the synagogue, he would first talk about the Torah, the the writings of Moses, the first five books of what we call the Old Testament. He'd quote from the prophets of Israel like Isaiah and Jeremiah and so on because a Jewish audience would respond well to those references to Moses and the prophets. But now Paul is in Athens, Greece, where most people would have no clue as to who Moses or Isaiah was or any of the other Jewish prophets. So he custom tailors his message to his audience. And in Athens, he started his message talking about creation. The one who made the universe. And the Greeks were very interested in the origins of the universe. And then Paul moved from there to talk about Jesus. Let me just reread a few of the verses of of how Paul starts with the story of creation, God the creator, and he moves to Jesus. Listen to how he does this. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. The Greeks knew all about all kinds of pagan temples. And he is not served by human hands, Paul says, as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. And then he quotes from a couple of their prophet, uh, a couple of their poets. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being. And as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. He quotes from their poets. And then he makes the point, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by, God's, by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And now he gets to the heart of the issue. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. And that got their attention. And they wanted to hear more. Paul tailored his message. And the main part of of Paul's story was the resurrection of the dead, but he started with creation. But the main part was about what Jesus did, first by dying on the cross and then by rising back to life. People don't normally come back from the dead, and that got their attention. 
And friends, that is your and my central story too. Jesus Christ died to make the full payment for all people's sin. And he rose from the dead on the third day to guarantee eternal life to all who believe and trust in him. The cross and the empty tomb remain our story. Now there in Athens, some of the people who heard this just sneered. They kind of wrote it off. They didn't believe it. Some people said, well, we want to hear more again on this subject. And some people, Luke tells us, some people believed. They believed. You know, sometimes we, we get over-anxious and impatient, and we want the entirety of the result of our witnessing to, to be shown forth immediately. We want immediate results. But I like to think of it this way. I think telling the story of Jesus is more like planting a seed rather than transplanting a full-grown tree. It's more like planting a seed rather than transplanting a full-grown tree. The tree doesn't grow immediately. We are simply called to plant the seed of the good news of Jesus and let God grow it in the heart and soul of people. When St. Paul wrote his first letter to the uh, Greeks in Corinth, the Christians there, he wrote these words. He said, I planted the seed, Apollos, another Christian, watered it, but God made it grow. I planted the seed, but God made it grow. And see, that's what we're to do, plant seeds, the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his letter to the Romans, Paul says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. When we tell that message, when we share the word of Christ about Jesus dying and rising for people, that message, that little seed, has a power in it to change lives from the inside out. It can transform persons from unbelievers to believers. And at the intersection of Mission Road and Humanity Avenue, our main task is to tell the good news of Jesus to all who will listen. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, said, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, back in antiquity, before the days of instant communication, messengers would run to bring news from a distant location. How wonderful it was to see that person's feet come up over the hill bringing a message of good news. And when the ancient Greeks defeated the Persians, for example, at the Battle of Marathon, a messenger ran about 25 miles to Athens to deliver the good news. And, of course, from that has evolved the modern-day marathon race, 26.1 miles. Friends, our Christian calling is to be ready to deliver the good news wherever we go. We don't even have to run 25 miles to do it. There's people living right next door to you, right down the street, people at work, people at school, family members who need to hear the good news. Romans 1 verse 16 says, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And we translate gospel good news. I am not ashamed of the good news 
because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's a powerful message we have, friends, and all we need to do is share it, plant the seed, let God grow it in the hearts of people. You know, when you go on road trips, it helps to have uh, road maps along, doesn't it? Now, maybe you use a, a, a map app on your smartphone to help you find your locations. Maybe you have a GPS system in your vehicle. Or maybe some of you use paper maps. And I still occasionally like to have the paper map in front of me to see where I am and where I need to go, what street I need to turn on to go to my destination. But you know, if you think about it, there are many, many people on the road trip of life today with no clear direction, no real sense of where this life journey ends. They really don't know. And our main task as Christians, you see, is to give other people the road map home to heaven. And his name is Jesus. He is the road map to heaven. So let me ask, whom do you know who needs the road map home to the heavenly kingdom? In the city of Portland, Oregon, a group of residents in a local neighborhood decided to paint this mural in this intersection as a reminder of the need for the community to come together, to intersect with each other for the betterment of their neighborhood. Now, it's not a very heavily traveled intersection. It probably wouldn't work in some of the busy streets of Scottsdale. But in this little neighborhood intersection, the neighbors got together and painted that mural as a reminder. We need to come together. We need to intersect with each other for the good of our neighborhood. Well, friends, you and I are standing at the intersection of Mission Road and Humanity Avenue every single day. Every day we're at that intersection. The question is, will we act? Will we act? Let me, let me encourage you to be alert to the opportunities God presents every day by bringing people into your life who need to know Jesus. Let me encourage you to look for a connecting point, some common thing you can connect with in order to bring that message of love to their life. And then finally, be ready to tell the story, the simple, sweet story of God's love in Christ Jesus about the Savior who died and rose again to give the gift of eternal life. You know, in the end, it's about heaven being more full and hell being more empty because of the story of Jesus that you and I share with others. That's what it's about. And friends, as you continue on this road trip that we call life, as you are going, wherever you go, make disciples for Jesus. Act for the sake of those who don't know the way home to heaven. And be mindful that every single day, you are standing on the intersection of Mission Road and Humanity Avenue. Amen. May the peace of God that passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.